This is Gerardo Del Real with my co-host, Mr. Nick Hodge. This is episode 28 of Bizarro World. And man, is the title appropriate. A lot going on. There's a situation with Iran seizing a British oil tanker. It seems like one way or the other, the U.S. and its allies will find a way to get Iran to the table at war. We have Eric Garner, proof that we need reform laws is the name of the title. As we all know, five years ago, New York Police Department officer choked out Mr. Gardner, and despite his 11 pleas to t- telling them that he couldn't breathe, he was found um, not guilty and no charges will be pressed, actually. So that is that. We have a new 007. We have gold at 1425. The government hates Libra, and I'm not talking about the Zodiac sign. I'm talking about Facebook. A lot going on. Episode 28 of Bizarro World. Mr. Nick Hodge, how are you? There's so much going on. It's crazy. I'm going to crawl down into a sewer and hide under a maintenance cover. I don't know if with our crumbling infrastructure, I think we got a D minus the last time from the engineer department. Um, If that is a safe haven for you. You're talking about the infrastructure report card from, I think it's the Association of Civil Engineers. Yeah, we never get a good score on that. It's always pretty bad. Every year is worse and worse, but yet we do nothing about it. Interesting stuff. One day we'll have to um, invest in infrastructure and that will beget some um, increasing use of base metals, as you and I have discussed before. But um, until then, we will just kick the aluminum can down the road or the aluminum can for Mr. Stephen Quinn. I like it. Make antimony great again. And speaking of that, let's we're we're gonna talk Trump a little bit. We're gonna do follow up on um, Mr. Epstein and R. Kelly both being denied bail because they're sick fucks and predators. Um, we're gonna talk FaceApp and we're gonna talk Apple. And also, there's a new 007. So a lot of stuff on the life and entertainment side, um, serious and not so serious. But let's start with why I think all 47 people listen to this podcast. Um, the markets. Let's talk gold. 1424. Uh, flirted with 1450, well above 1400, well above that 1362 technical level. Some of the better names in the space um, are reacting well. The Great Bear Resources of the World, um, K92 Mining has reacted well. Almaden has had a good month. Uh, what are your thoughts, Nick? I'm going to read you a text that James Dines, my cop out is I just tell you what Mr. Dines says because I don't know. So that way I can blame him if it goes wrong. So this is what Mr. Dines <laughs> This is what Mr. Dines texted me last night uh, at during the dinner hour, as he has tended to do recently because he's excited. He says gold will be in the headlines this weekend and next week, and then there will be some selling. And that's probably not uh, one of his more insightful predictions. The writing sort of on the wall for that one. We've had sustained um, gold prices over 1,400 uh, big names and the ETFs have moved, maybe the big names have moved because of ETFs buying, uh, ETF buying, what do I know? But uh, the long and short of it is that um, some some good gains have been made over the past month or two in uh, high quality and wide followed gold names. And given the utter dearth of returns that the sector has experienced for the past half decade, I would expect um, some of the lucky individuals who were fortunate enough to buy near the bottom to take a bit money off the table. And 
then I would look for that money to be reinvested. Um, so we have to talk about the value chain in mining, Gerardo, because uh, the bull market comes in waves, right? Uh, we've talked about this before. The big names go, the intermediates go, and then the juniors go. And so I was looking at a chart of my favorite junior names this week uh, because I was reading over and over again, speaking of gold being in the headlines, that uh, gold had hit a fresh six-year high, which, first of all, is interesting because it's only been like a week or two since it hit a five-year high. So go, 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 gold bull market. Um, but the quality junior names I was looking at were not anywhere near a five or six-year high, which um, one might view as frustrating given that there's been a little bit of exuberance around the gold sector in the past couple of months. But I would say um, you just need to have some patience because the gold bull market is not going to affect um, all the gold equities at the same time and in the same manner. So I would expect uh, waves and rotations from big names down to intermediates. And then finally, for the quality juniors to run, which still means if you pull that chart back to five years for any of your favorite small companies, they are still very, very cheap. Absolutely. I have positions that I'm down 80% on that I, I frankly would buy today at the higher price because they were inexpensive then. They are absolute gifts at these price levels. I could go on and on. I could rattle off 10 names right now. Um, you know, if you're if you're lucky enough to be able to use the lack of the response in the junior resource space to add, double down, triple down, average down, call it what you want to call it, um, you should absolutely be doing so right now. I look at these next couple of months as an absolute gift if I'm able to continue to add names like Almadex and Ethos Gold and K2 Gold and Nevada Sunrise, um, all names that I think, again... Um, even if they got back to the original levels that I bought those companies at, um, I still would feel there's a ton of upside, especially um, with 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 a fourteen hundred dollar gold price that I think is 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 going to pull back a little bit, maybe to that fourteen hundred dollar level. But fifteen fifty before the year is out would not surprise me. Yeah, it's the middle of summer. We're just now in uh, mid to late July. We're entering peak vacation season. Uh, professional traders and uh, professional money is away from their desks. They will come back later uh, in August and, and see what has transpired in the resource markets and adjust their portfolios accordingly. And uh, as we all know and remember and say often relative to the uh, macro market or the broad market, if you will, it only takes a tiny bit of that uh, capital rotating into the uh, haven sectors or the precious metal sectors to have a significant impact. So something to look forward to and and maybe got a taste of this week when um, Ray Dalio put out a note uh, with the conclusion saying that uh, buying gold will uh, give you better uh, returns, essentially was the last line of the thing. Buy gold and you'll have a better portfolio. And gold went up $20 that day. So and that comes that comes several weeks into a into a sustained uh, gold bull market, and that's one of the best hedge fund managers in the world. So, uh, him just now getting his finger on the pulse, getting out some public material uh, about it, uh, just uh, says to me that there's going to be more of that coming. 
Agreed. And uh, Mr. Dalio is usually ahead of the curve. For those not familiar with him, he runs the biggest hedge fund in the world. Um, He also got ahead of the trend early before the 2008 financial crisis was one of the few funds that did very well during that environment. Um, He likes to get ahead of big trends. Uh, We're not talking, you know, getting ahead of it by a month or two months. He typically um, is positioned for moves that are going to last years. And I believe this gold bull market will be one that because of how long it bottomed will be historic. I think we see real all-time highs. I've said that before. And I think it's going to be a sustained bull market that lasts four to seven years um, which, which again, I, I, I can't wait. And I feel privileged to have an extra couple of months to add these juniors at the prices are at right now. Well, I've seen some long handles on gold companies that end the day as a green handle, not a red handle. So that's good to see. Agreed. Let's talk cryptos. Uh, last I checked, Bitcoin was back above 10,000. There was a pullback here recently. It's at 10,400 as I speak. Big, big uh, hearing on the floor this week, and it was really interesting to see because for all of the flack that Miss AOC gets for some of her political, economic, and socialist, what some people would call uh, plans and views, I believe she had, again, the most insightful questioning of Facebook. And I thought, I don't know if you got to catch that at all, Nick, but I thought it was uh, well, well, well asked, insightful, intelligent. Um, and again, speaks to the fact that a lot of people just like to say, I hate Trump or I hate AOC or I hate whoever, and really don't even take the time to listen to the merit of some of the opinions, this one having a lot of merit. So did did you get a chance to catch that exchange? I didn't see hers. Keep going. So she made the point that the assets backing the Libra currency that set its value would be determined by the corporations. And then she made the point that corporations are profit driven logical, sensical points. So she went on to say that, and in, this is her exact quote, so we are discussing a currency controlled by an undemocratically selected coalition of largely massive corporations. And so, you know, the reasoning is if a nation's cur- currency is something that functions as a public good in the purview of a government, not for-profit corporations, right? And so that's, that, that to her seemed problematic. And frankly, she is not wrong. Well, for sure. And uh, as I as I said a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about how this would be backed on uh, Bitcoin anyway. So the logical play would be to to own the OG cryptocurrency um, in in Bitcoin. And another another insightful line of questioning I saw had to do with um, why it wouldn't be why Libra wouldn't be considered uh, as an ETF and have to go through um, all the security and financial uh, regulations that a security instrument goes to. And so there was definitely uh, pushback on on Capitol Hill this week for Libra and, and rightly so. I mean, just last week, we talked about the record fine of five billion dollars that the FTC handed down to to Facebook uh, for its. Uh, habitual uh, snooping and and unscrupulous handling of, of people's private data. So why would we give, um, as AOC says, uh, a, a company the ability to to have its own currency when really it's only trying to foster its own bottom line? So good to see some pushback uh, against Facebook and p- part of a broader theme, as was the FTC fine, I think, of a, a larger pushback against these large social media technology firms and how they 
uh, hoover up and, and handle or mishandle our data. Agreed. Here's a little bit more of that exchange. So AOC says the governance over the reserve is the Libra Association, correct? Facebook rep says, yes, it is, Congresswoman. She goes on to say, so currently the Libra Association is governed by, get this, Facebook, Uber, eBay, Spotify, Visa, Thrive Capital, Union Square Ventures, and a handful of nonprofits. And the Facebook rep says, yes, that is correct. And then she goes on to say, were they democratically elected? No. Who picked the founding members of this governance over the currency, she asked. And the gentleman responds, the membership is open based on certain criteria. The first 27 other companies that have joined are the companies that have shared the desire to come and build this network. So again, to her point, um, it's a good old boy club thing, right? We're we're getting the biggest names, the people with the most capital um, that have the biggest reach and scale. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing that they're coming together to create alternatives. I'm saying that if we're going to treat Libra as a currency, uh, I don't believe that having a for-profit corporation governing it is the most healthy thing for our republic. And I'm speaking just from a U.S.-based viewpoint right here. Certainly not. However, if they want to create an alternative to the current system and let it be clear that it is not a currency, it is just an option, I am all for that. As long as we don't do it under the umbrella that this is an official sovereign currency, because it absolutely is not. But why would they want to do that, Gerardo? They're business. That's a good question. And she asked that. She says, um, do you believe currency is a public good? The gentleman from Facebook says, I believe that sovereign currencies are sovereign. And as a result, they should continue to be so. So then AOC says, so then do you believe Libra should be a public good? And he says, Congresswoman, we will work with all of the regulators and address all concerns and the regulators will determine. She goes, I'll take that as a no. Should I take that as a no? And the Facebook guy says, it's not for me to decide. (laughs) She says, okay, I'll take that as a no. And I'll put a link up to the exchange. It was really, really good. It was insightful. And I think it speaks to... um, a lack of preparation on behalf of Facebook, which is surprising given the amount of time times they've been in front of Congress recently, right? Well, they think that they're going to steamroll through as large corporations uh, have for decades. But times, Gerardo, they are a changing. Times are changing. Another thing that is a changing is going to be the negative rates that are coming to the U.S. I've said this for years. Um, we're now at over the $13 trillion in $13 trillion in negative yielding U.S. denominated debt. Um, that's a problem. That's not sustainable. We had a couple of Fed members come out and say that lower rates are going to be a tool that's in the toolbox that they will look to use aggressively. I think that contributed to the increase in the gold price again. Mr. Dalio's comments, the comments from the Fed, it's all going in one direction. I say this almost every week, but every week something else validates that viewpoint, right? And now you have the Fed and the central bank telling you, um, yeah, we're going to lower rates and yep, we're going to be aggressive about it. And the goal is to stimulate inflation because we're deathly afraid of deflation. We've seen it in Europe. We've seen it in Japan. We don't want it here in the U.S. So, you know, asset bubbles blow away. They're happening. Is the Fed going to cut at the next meeting? Absolutely. I don't think it'll be 50. I think it'll be 25. Um, And I think it'll give itself room for another 25 basis point cut. 
And you know whether we get another one before year end is 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 up for debate. I think we at least get two. I don't think that in 2020 during the election cycle we get a cut unless there's some serious global catastrophes going on, which I don't rule out. I I you know I think the writing's been on the wall for for Europe and the euro and their bond market for quite some time. Um, so yeah, I think we're coming into a period that 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 many people, including myself, haven't seen happen before. I was reading today, I, I don't recall the numbers off the top of my head, but I can certainly put a link up about um, how far down the rabbit hole, this rabbit hole, uh, Japan has gone and how much of uh, public Japanese corporations are owned by the Bank of Japan. I'm talking about major corporations that the BOJ owns 15, 17, 19% of them, like a dozen of them. And so um, that's like the epitome of bizarro world. I mean, it's like a snake eating its own tail, right? It, like you can't even wrap your mind around that in some capacities. It's insane. If you just do what my 10 year old does every day when he's practicing his summer math homework and you pull out a calculator and you just do some math, um, you realize this stuff can never get paid back. It's why the BOJ has have has had to come in and buy, you know, stocks and bonds and they own the majority of the bond market there and they own a ton of uh of 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 the stock market as well. And again, um we can believe that we're special and we're chosen here in the US, but eventually um that's something that will come to our shores. I firmly believe that. May not happen in a year or two, but uh, I think it's coming and again, have a little gold, have some exposure. It's not going to hurt. You mean you don't want to lend me money at a negative rate so I can go out and buy some stocks? Not the stocks at these prices. They're all going up, Nick. <laughs> I'd rather keep my money. Yeah, I'd rather keep my money. And if that weren't enough, if negative interest rates weren't enough, if, you know, all the fuckery going on politically wasn't enough, you know, we have Iran seizing supposedly a British-flagged oil tanker. It amazes me the ways that either Iran doesn't care about being involved in a war, the leadership, not the people. It's always the leadership, right? Or the ways that we continue to find to make it look like they really want a war. And you know me, I'm very distrustful of all governments in general. So I don't know if this is one of these false flag things. It's interesting to me that every two weeks, something seems to happen in that region. Um, that's like almost like a test case to see if it pisses people off enough to say, okay, that's unacceptable. Now we can go to war. Um, and yet, you know, it hasn't happened yet. The latest is, of course, like I just mentioned, a British flagged oil tanker being seized. The oil market didn't really move the way it should have moved. If you believe that this is as serious as it is, it's up one and a half percent. But again, it wasn't the four five or six percent moves that we've seen in the past. Um, when there's, you know, an incident that, that looks like a prequel to war. Um, thoughts on that, Nick? Well, who knows? You got the uh, Asian Uncle Fester wear suit wear and Kim Jong-un <laughs> who does who does similar stuff. Just, you know, test missile tests over the Pacific, this and that. And uh, he's the saber. homie now, though. You didn't, you, you didn't That's what it, Well, that, that was my point. That's <laughs> yep. going to be my point. So you can rattle your saber, you rattle your saber. You can watch your little missile launches with your oversized binoculars, and then Trump just goes and plays hopscotch with your border, and like I don't know, whatever he did over there, like goes shakes hands and visits. And so maybe Iran is thinking, hey, maybe this guy's going to come over and visit with us, and then we're going to be best buds. Maybe the maybe they think Trump is like a cat; you got to like kick him off your lap a few times, and he's going to come and rub his head on you and get his hair everywhere. 
And then Trump has the nerve to tell democratically elected U.S. citizens to go back where they came from. Let's talk about that. You had a poll on Facebook. I voted. Um, you had a poll on, not on Facebook, I'm sorry, Twitter. We were talking Facebook that, that said, who's more racist, Trump or Biden, right? And, and we can, right. I, I can make a good argument that some of Biden's uh, policies were racist parallel, right? They definitely affected minorities disproportionately. Um, but that doesn't, <laughs> that certainly does not excuse Mr. Trump. I absolutely believe He's a racist and a bigot, um, and, and I agree with some of his policies and disagree with others. You know, whether he's a racist or a bigot um, doesn't affect what I think about certain policy proposals. I, I, I can differentiate the two. But, yeah, I absolutely believe those comments were, were meant to incite the base. Um, I think that, you know, him 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 taking it back the next day and saying, no, 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 I was trying to stop the chance. Yeah. And then today he came out and said, no, no, no. I fully defend the people that believe that, you know, these four women are, are, are the squad, as he calls them, you know, should go back to their countries. I just think it's bullshit. I, I, I think it's um, I think it's whistle calling to a racist part of the base. By no means am I implying that the Republican Party is full of racist. Um, I, I share a lot of Republican views, the Second Amendment, the First Amendment. Um, those are traditionally core values of the Republican Party, um, the rule of law. But but yeah, in this case, he's 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 whistling to them. Um, that's my, well, that's my said, two cents. He said as much. I mean, I, I don't know what reporter it was asked him uh, uh, about it. And he's saying, but the, the, the base agrees with me. And so he's saying that, you know, it's total dog whistle. He's, he's calling to, to voters. The people are going to, are going to come out in the, in the next, uh, election. And as far as the sender, the send them home stuff, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's racist and it's, and it's bigoted, but even the way the media covers it is like bizarre world. I was driving into my office the other day. And I was, <laughs> You're going to get I, I was, me going. Yep. <laughs> I, I was listening to the radio and they do like, you know, how they have, it wasn't like NPR, I was listening to music radio. And so every four songs or five songs in the morning, they have like 30 seconds of news read by the guy with the news voice. And um, so it's like the guy with the news voice is reading about it. And it's like, uh, he says what happened. He says what Trump was saying at the North Carolina rally. And then literally the last um, couple of words that the guy in the news voice said was, um, and then the Republican base at Trump's uh, 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 rally started chanting, send her home. And that was the end of the thing. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I was like, what? And, you know, as, as, as upsetting as it is to have a president that that so openly disrespects the office right and 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 you know we could talk about bill clinton getting blowjobs in the office we can talk about jfk having threesomes in the office back in the 60s before everybody was doing it right he was ahead of his time um but this is a different level to me of disrespect to the office as bad as that is the way the media has been covering stuff lately drives me absolute batshit and the jeff epstein coverage is a prime fucking example of it um it's 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 a good segue in a sense because both r kelly and mr epstein were denied bail this past week um and now the florida attorney general that 
went ahead and approved that sweetheart deal where he could leave. I'm talking Epstein now jail six days a week for 12 hours. Um, he's under investigation because it's now being alleged that during that time, Mr. Epstein raped slash sexually assaulted, molested another young girl. And the way that some of the media is covering this, the words that they use are absolute trash. Let me be clear. Girls are not quote unquote underage woman. Rape and sexual assault should not be called a request for sexual favors. I don't know how these people write these fucking headlines sometimes. These are journalists. My brother's a journalist. Um, if he wrote some of this shit, I would be, you know, down his throat telling him what the fuck is wrong with you. I, I, I just, I don't understand as a parent, as someone who has nieces, a sister, a mother I love, great woman around me, a wife that I love. I don't understand why we can't call rape, rape. Why can't we call girls, girls? Why can't we call a racist president, a racist president? And just leave it at that. Because they're white people with money, Gerardo. Ah, I saw your Twitter so, uh, retweet earlier. I liked it about the, idiot, about the idiot and the coward. I, I forget. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was a great one. Good quote. Yeah, I mean, if you don't think I mean, the guy said that I'm a conspiracy theorist, he said, I think wealthy and powerful people conspire. If you don't, you're an idiot. If you do, but don't admit that it's that it's a conspiracy, then you're a coward. That's what he said. And so, uh, look, that's the heart of the matter here. You got I don't know if you saw the video this week of the, the 1990s party that Trump was at with Epstein, where he was clearly had his hands on the asses. I'm talking about Trump of a bunch of girls. But you bet you can bet your bottom dollar that there's evidence of, of Clinton out there doing the same thing. And so now it's a matter of um, from Trump and Clinton themselves all the way down through their foundations and the media outlets that they can influence or control is how much of this story they want to get out and how deep is it going to get investigated? Because um the trail is there and so that's that's sort of where it's at Agreed. as opposed to i'm going to go to eric gardner now and the guy that the cop uh, you beat me to it i was headed there too did, good go nick did, <laughs> yep. didn't get indicted and get charged yep uh, where he was clearly choking him out to death using a hold that had been previously banned uh by the department for which he worked for um, you have a citizen saying, as you said, 11 times that he can't breathe and then he pushes his head down into the pavement and Eric Gardner dies. Well, the fact of the matter is um, you should let a, you should let a jury of peers decide if that was if that was murder, if that man is guilty or innocent. You shouldn't decide behind closed doors. Oh, we don't think we we have enough evidence to get a conviction. Fuck you. You bring that shit to trial and you let the citizens decide. And you don't wait five years on the day that the statute of limitations expires to make your decision. Fuck the Justice Department on that one. Let, let, me, let me be clear about the three things that the Justice Department needed to require, what was required to prove in order to indict this gentleman. It was three things. That the officer used excessive force. I don't think anybody's going to question that. We have a video. That the force caused Gardner's death. I don't think anybody can say that the force is not what caused his death and that the use of excessive force was willful. Nobody made him do it. Seems pretty fucking clear cut to me. Cut and dry. I, so again, when we talk about the conspiracy theory about the powerful, about the wealthy, about the people in, in, in power that make the decisions um, that often affect lives, um, literally, uh, something has to change, man. Something has to change. Well, this isn't going to cut it. 
I was just going to say, we said times they are changing and, and I have seen it slowly with the police accountability, but there is still way too many holes in, in, in that parachute, man. There needs to be more accountability. There needs to be uh, more of the, the so-called good cops uh, holding the bad cops accountable. And there needs to be um, more willingness of uh, attorneys and, and justice officials to, to put these decisions in the matter in the in the hands of, of citizens and and not behind closed doors where where favors are are done and where not all the information is out there. And now I got to jump back to Epstein and R. Kelly for a second because there was a story out of Connecticut this week where a judge was lenient on a teenage boy uh, that was found <laughs> guilty of sexual assault because he came from a a quote unquote good family. And so and he's been an I eagle scout. This was a real That's, thing that the judge said. He, he comes from a good family. He's gotten good grades in the past. And for God's sake, he was an Eagle Scout. And that's what I meant five minutes ago when I said because he's white and he has money. So um, thankfully, on the, on the sexual assault and the rape side of things, uh, we're starting to get some progress. I, I think that guy might have stepped down today. If not, he was getting seriously, seriously reprimanded. But I think he stepped down. He did. And so what I'm saying is we need that to we need that, you know, fourth turning, whatever, changing of institutions, whatever you want to call it, to to come to the the police side of things. And let's talk about corporations getting away with crime that the average person couldn't get away with. If we were talking about an eighth of marijuana, it is now known that more than 75 billion opioid pills um, during the, the heart of the, the, the epidemic in this country, um, you know, were tracked, were traced. They were in a database. The major corporations knew exactly how many pills were going out. They knew to which homes, which regions, which cities, yep. which zip codes, and they didn't do a damn thing about it. Come on, man. Look, there was there, there were enough prescriptions to supply every American adult from 2006 to 2012, every American adult with a month's worth of pills. I'll put the map up. The Washington Post did a, a brilliant map. It was um, I mean, it was literally a map of the opioid epidemic, like the drug companies saw it unfolding in real time. And the Washington Post, at least that's where I saw it, connected all that data into uh, a literal map, not a roadmap of the opioid epidemic, but a map that you could click on county by county. Uh, I'll put up a link and you could click on individual counties, right, and see how many pills I think it was per year per person were going to those counties. And I mean, obviously it was a roadmap of the opioid epidemic. Yeah, you hover your mouse over Eastern Kentucky and those people, those counties were at like hundreds of pills per person per year, right? Um, like the dark, deep purple red, like the heaviest thunderstorm, right? Um, up and down the, the East Coast and Appalachia and, and Maryland. And then you could see the places that were affected and not affected. I, I found one county in South Dakota that had zero and I was astonished, but I'll put a map up or I'll put a link up to the map. And yeah, of course they knew. Uh, look, we saw this thing unfold in, in West Virginia uh, and Kentucky and Tennessee, and that's precisely where the pills were going in copious amounts. Um, and when you tie that together with some of the other things we found out over the, the past couple of months and years and that we've talked about on this podcast, like uh, pharmaceutical companies helping doctors establish pharmacies in or adjacent to their offices so they can fill the pills right away. Of course, it was orchestrated. Of course, it was conspired. And we just talked about the Justice Department, which is the agency that should have known 
and gotten involved in the beginning of this. This is not new data. This is data that everybody had. They never asked the question. Why didn't they ask the question? Because of the contributions, because of the lobbyists, because of the money. That's America right now. If you got it, you could rape for a while. You could murder a little bit. You can buy what you want. And, you know, if you're connected enough, you can get away with all of it. At least for 20 or 30 years, like Mr. Epstein and Mr. Kelly and the opioid companies. And maybe even go out uh, every day if you have to serve a little bit of time, God forbid. Go rape a little more. Mm, Incredible. Nasty. I hope everybody involved, I've said it before, every enabler, everybody who turned a blind eye, I hope everybody gets indicted and gets everything they they, they deserve. Um, Nothing but reciprocity from the universe is what I wish for everybody, including myself, right? That's right. And not to end that story on a totally sour note, there has been some improvement in the um, number of opioid overdoses in recent months. It seems to have been turning a corner, although um, from other things I've read and that I've heard from sources who would know is that a lot of these people are, uh, well, one, they're out of money, two, the insurance companies and doctors are rising up to it. So they're turning uh, to the meth is what I'm hearing. But um, if we have to make a trade off of fentanyl, fentanyl, heroin for meth, it's what I'm willing to take in the short term. Agreed. And again, what a coincidence that things are getting slightly better now that people are paying attention and talking about it publicly, right? It's funny how that works. Shouldn't have taken this fucking long. A lot of good people died, man. I don't have to tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's switch it up a little bit. Let's get a little more uh, lighthearted. <laughs> Face app. <laughs> Do you know what you'll look like as an old man? <laughs> I'm, already, I'm already there, Gerardo. <laughs> well, I'm five years ahead of you, so that doesn't bode well for me. Uh, so this, well, this new go, app. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead. No, no, the new app. I'm so here. listen, this new app, a little co- a little context is important, right? So there's a new app called FaceApp. It's it's reportedly the number one selling app on iTunes. And it, it's, it's a pretty simple app, but it's very accurate, supposedly. You put your picture in and they'll tell you what you'll look like 10, 20, 30, 40, and 50 years from now. They can also make you younger if you want to reminisce to your youthful, exuberant days, right? Um, the catch is that the company has a pretty thorough, um, waiver that you sign when you give this picture, which basically says we can get into your phone. We can upload your photos. We're not only taking this photo, but we can take whatever photo we want. Now they've said, the company has said that that's not what they're doing, that they only, uh, reserve the right and are only uploading to their servers, the photo that you submit, But again, this has a little bit of a twist because the company originates in Russia. And as we know, in Russia, very few things happen in Russia without the blessing of the higher ups. Right. We know that that's the way that country works, much like Mexico in a certain sense. Nothing happens policy wise or, you know, business wise without the blessing really of the people and the powers that be. So I thought it was interesting. Um any thoughts on the app, Nick? I don't, I, I don't know where I'm going with it other than to say, don't we have better shit to do? I wanted a third P, the people and the powers and the Putin that be. <laughs> um, well done, sir. <laughs> so off the top, every single app you have has that stuff buried in the terms and conditions. And Google is listening to your microphone. And that's why when you say something and 10 minutes later, you get an ad for it on Instagram. Well, that's how they... 
that's how they know because in the terms and conditions they say hey from time to time we're going to access your microphone and everybody just clicks accept and nobody reads that so everybody is doing that uh, I, you know everybody is a blanket statement but a lot of apps have stuff like that in their terms and conditions where they're using different parts of your phone the camera uh the photo roll um, the microphone, uh, your your location, for example, in the background. Um, you might have seen this from time to time. If you get a pop-up on your phone, it's like such and such app is using your location in the background. Do you really want that? But a bunch of other of them are that you accepted and you don't even know. So that's right off the top. It's not just the face app. Um, <laughs> Want to hear a funny joke? <laughs> I do. It's a real one. My phone often reminds me, oh, are you headed to the strip club? <laughs> no. <laughs> It'll be like seven. It'll be like seven thirty p.m. on a Saturday, and I'll get a reminder. Um, perfect ten, four point five miles away. <laughs> Why does it think you're going to the strip club? Because I have a Tesla, so when I enter or my Google Maps, it records all of it and it syncs to my phone, so it just knows my habits. It's kind of freaky. Mm-mm-mm. Nope, nope, no pun intended on the freaky. Well, pun intended. Well, now I got I got to keep going with uh, the stripping, and so I'll get back to the face app in a second. But there was some, um, and again, I don't remember which university, but there was some PhD level research out this week about porn sites and um, how much porn sites are tracking your habits and searches and what you watch and how much they're sharing that with um, other companies. So, I mean, you know the habit, right? You open up the incognito browser, you go to pornhub.com, you search up your whatever you're interested in, you do your business, and then you close the window and you think nobody knows because you were in incognito mode. But it turns out that um, all the big companies, you name it, they're doing it, Facebook, uh, Google, and even in some cases, um, ones you wouldn't think of like Oracle are tracking your habits on these porn sites and they're sharing them with, uh, uh, via cookies with advertisers, um, who are obviously looking for an edge on how to sell you products. So all that to say that the incognito thing doesn't matter. Uh, the porn companies may or may not know that this is going on. Um, they know. <laughs> Some of the the ad companies didn't even want to comment, like Oracle did not even want to comment. I'll put a link up to the article, but um, yeah, like super, super private stuff that these uh, companies are are snooping on and and, and who knows where that's going to turn up, you know, when we get some hack in five years and and. Like Joe Biden was searching for some weird stuff on Pornhub. Who knows, man? We'll, we'll see what happens. But all that to say that the the data privacy issue and the way that these companies are using it, and we could tie this back to Facebook, which we talked about 15 minutes ago, um, is increasingly invasive and pervasive. So um, be careful out there. And what really stuck in my side about this is how fast it went. I think like at last check, I had read 150 million people had downloaded this face app. And so that's what I was thinking, man. Like at the end of the day, I'm looking at my list like, man, not a lot get crossed off. I don't know if I have time to download face aging apps. Yeah, that that it, it's insane. Again, I, I just think, you know, there we probably have better things to do. This coming from the guy that just made a joke about frequenting strip clubs. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> and all jokes aside, I quit frequenting Perfect Ted, which was a great club because they no longer serve my favorite drink, uh, Tito's Vodka. So, you know, all jokes aside, man, they lost they lost a customer there. So it is what it is. I'll get over it. Sounds like you need a lobbyist. <laughs>
It's the American way, Nick. It's the American way. You wanted to talk about this new Apple thing, which I am not caught up on. So I'm curious what that was about. This is going to be a fairly long story. So uh oh, uh oh, good, 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 good. One, one, I like apples. Two, I, I like to view myself as a contrarian who tends to be a bit ahead of the the crowd, and so. If I'm just being honest, as a kid, I never liked the red delicious apples. I thought they were <laughs> a bit a bit bland. I thought they were a bit mealy. I just didn't think they were a good eating apple. And so I always opted for um, a Granny Smith, which is more sour, not as sweet as a red delicious, but has a much firmer texture and a more, we'll call it, tart flavor apple connoisseur that, nick i tell y'all every week how smart he is every week he proves me right <laughs> and other than that back in the day those were kind of your choices you got the red delicious or you got the granny smith maybe maybe during certain times of the year you got a golden delicious but mm. those were typically made uh into applesauce or baked into pies so um, and those were the apple varieties my grandfather always grew on the farm. We had Red Delicious, we had Golden Delicious, and we had Granny Smith. And so those were the ones that you typically found in stores. But what happened is, um, as science advanced and as we began breeding different kinds of trees and uh, cloning trees and using different kinds of uh, breeds of trees to create uh, new kinds of apples, then other ones came on the scene. You'll remember, I don't know, the the jazz apple, for example, or what's been really, really popular lately is the Honeycrisp. And the Honeycrisp has been blowing the hinges off it, man. Hmm. Everybody wants the Honeycrisp apple, There's, but there's problems with that. Uh-oh. Supply and demand? Uh, no, the Honeycrisp apple does not store well. So a Red Delicious, uh, you can store for almost 12 months. You harvest it in October. You can store that apple under the right conditions almost until the next harvest. So there's red delicious apples available all year long. The price stays low. The farmers like that. They don't bruise easy. And so a lot of the fruit makes it to market uh, because it doesn't bruise and it lasts a long time. And so what happened is this Honeycrisp came along and everybody wanted the Honeycrisp, but the farmers didn't want to plant it because one, um, it doesn't store well, only a couple of months, and two, uh, it bruises really easily. And so I'm going to make this number up, but um, like less than half of the Honeycrisps actually make it to market. So there's a big waste and it's a big risk for the farmers to plant it. So they were like, eh, I don't know if we want to start digging up all our Red Delicious and start planting all these Honeycrisps <laughs> given those risks, right? It's apple high drama. So and I've been following this for a little bit because one, I knew Red Delicious were trash and I was waiting for everybody else to realize that shit. And two... <laughs> <laughs> I knew that the Honeycrisp had these storage problems and the and the apple and the farmers didn't like to grow them. So I was waiting to see. So when I saw this story come out this week, I was like, there it is. This is what we've been waiting for. So here, one hour south from where I live is Washington State University, and they are pioneers in fruit research, apples and cherries, of which we grow a lot of here in Washington State. And back in the 90s, they started working on a new apple it has been branded. Are you ready for this, Gerardo? The, the Cosmic gun. Crisp. The Cosmic it's, Crisp. Uh, it is a cross between two apples. I will have to look this up for you. <laughs> the Red Delicious 
and <laughs> the Enterprise Apple. So you got the so they found they they took an apple that had the fruit and skin and storage care uh, the fruit and skin and taste characteristics of the Honeycrisp, um, but has the st- has the storage capacity and the non bruising capabilities of the Red Delicious. The mom was a Red Delicious. The dad was an <laughs> Enterprise tree. I'm they sorry, got- I'm laughing because Red Delicious is such a good stripper name, and I've never heard it. <laughs> well, Perfect Ten should get on it. I'm going to let them know the next time I'm in there if I decide to go back. <laughs> so continue. I, I, I apologize for the interruption. <laughs> that, so um, the Apple industry is is doing tests like marketers do tests all the time. Like every year they got hundreds of new varieties. They try um, and they make a new tree and they get the fruit and they taste it. And if it passed the taste test, like the taste good and the skin is good and the texture is good, then they store it. And they transport it. And then if it passed the storage and transportation tests, then they work on trying to like further that line of apples. And so I guess with this cosmic crisp, they think they got it all figured out. Um, and it's been 20 years in the making because that's how long it takes for the, you know, to grow the trees, to get commercial quantities of apple. And for the first time since the cosmic crisp was discovered 20 years ago, it's going to be in your grocery store this fall. Uh, the proper name is called the WA38, stands for Washington 38, just the number, uh, the name they gave it in the lab when they were researching it. But the marketable name and the trademark name, and this is kind of what I wanted to talk about, is Cosmic Crisp. Hmm. So this is all big business. It's trademark. The Washington University gets a royalty on all the trees sold. They got a $10 million marketing budget. Uh, they they got partnered up with some of the biggest growers, apple growers here in Washington to, to get them the trees early. So, uh, you know, it was like an early adopter to get all the other uh, farmers to start planting the Cosmic Crisp. Uh, and that's it. That's pretty much the whole story. But uh, come this fall, competition for the Honey Crisp, the Cosmic Crisp is coming. I am looking forward to the Cosmic Crisp apple pie. Can't wait. Fascinating. That was fascinating. That is absolutely fascinating. What do you got going on this weekend, Mr. Hodge? Oh, my gosh. Um, I've had family in town for almost two weeks straight. I'm going to take a nap and not cook eight people dinner first. <laughs> and, first. <laughs> um, and then it's uh, two weeks away or two months away from deer season. So I'm going to start doing all the, the preliminary stuff that comes with that on an annual basis, getting the the feet are out and the cameras out, start patterning where the animals are at and the like. And I know I don't watch a lot of TV, but I'm a sucker for big tennis and golf events. So I'll probably sneak in a bit of the British open. I like it. I like it. You mentioned TV, you mentioned British. Um, I, I, I have to, I have to mention that we will have a new 007 um, British actor, Lashana Lynch who is African-American, will be black British actor Lashana Lynch, has been cast as 007, taking over Bond's secret agent number. So this big introduction is supposed to happen um, in the newest installment that's coming out soon. So, you know, we talk about paradigm shifts and we talk about, you know, a a kid by the name of Lil Nas X having the top country song in America, right? I, I think it's great. I think if it's merit-based diversity and she pulls it off, uh, congratulations to the young lady. Good for her. 
Have we not yet had a not my 007 hashtag trend? <laughs> not yet. I've been surprised. Mm-hmm. I've been surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe we're getting better as a society. Well, I just read the other day that uh, Harry Styles might be the prince in uh, the 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 live adaptation of the Under the Sea movie, The Little Mermaid. And so with uh, um, Minority Ariel, hashtag not my Ariel, I, we could <laughs> s- soon start seeing some uh, cultural backlash to the to the interracial cartoonish relationship that has not yet happened yet. I, I think uh, I think people that have time to be upset about who is cast as a mermaid or a prince or a 007 need to find better things to do with their time as well. That's it. I'm going to tell you about the maintenance holes. No, no I'm going to do maintenance <laughs> holes because that's how I started this off. I said I was going to go hide under a maintenance hole. Bring, 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 bring it full circle, Nick. Bring it full circle. You know how I feel about fake outrage. And we talked about Epstein and we talked about R. Kelly, the seriousness of those charges. Justice Department, how, opioid crisis, absolutely. Eric Garner, all things you should really be upset about as a human. And then we got the, the 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 city of Berkeley, California, talking about how we can't call manholes manholes anymore. We got to call them maintenance holes. <laughs> and they had a list of this is serious. I know I read like, it. Fuck those people. <laughs> yeah, it's like thirty some words. It's like uh, uh, I, I can't even eat manicotti anymore. Like what the fuck? <laughs> I wish I had the list of all the stupid words. I'm gonna look it up here live. So bear with me. I'm gonna let you rant for a little bit, but. I'm going to look up Berkeley's new, it was Berkeley, right? Berkeley's new um, talking set of talking points of words they can use and words they cannot. Let's take a look here. And you just juxtapose that with the seriousness of what, of what we're trying to battle as a culture and as a society with things uh, as detrimental to women as Epstein and R. Kelly and Acosta are doing. And this just dilutes the sauce, man. This is why I was talking about the yes. Betsy like he's a couple weeks ago. Yes. It dilutes the sauce. Nobody gives a fuck that it's called a manhole. It doesn't infringe on women's <laughs> rights. It doesn't. Manhole covers aren't out there raping 13 year olds. Like, shut the fuck up. When I read this story initially, I thought it was one of those onion spoofs, right? From the onion, because they do that so well. He, here go the words Bondsman will now be Bonds person. Fireman and Firewoman will now both be referred to as firefighters. Manpower, this is probably. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm a pacifist. I'm a pacifist. We can't call them fighters. No, I'm offended. This is my favorite one. Manpower will be replaced with human effort or workforce. <laughs> Sororities and fraternities will now go by collegiate Greek system residents. <laughs> and a pregnant woman will be referred to as a pregnant employee. <laughs> I can't make this stuff up, guys. I mean, come on, guys and gals. Let me let me be inclusive here. You can stick my right lower appendage right up your rear butt. <laughs> Words of wisdom from Mr. Hodge. Have a great week, everybody. This has been episode 28 of Bizarro World. I am Gerardo Del Real. Mr. Nick Hodge, thanks for joining me as always. Any parting words? Nope. See ya. Have a great week, everybody. Love each other. Be nice to each other. Do something nice for somebody and yourself. Bye.